Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another edition of the main event. You're here with me, Daniel. And Aaron. And Nathan's back. How are you doing, Nathan? I'm good, you? Yes, spot on. Thank you. Um, not the best game week for me. The roller coasters that is UCL fantasy, but used to have had an okay time of it. How's everyone? Uh, good. I, I was quite happy after my limitless after the first night. I was a bit disappointed, but second night picked it up. No, I was happy with mine. I had to use a wild card in the end. My team was just injured, COVID ridden, and so needed to be done. And I'm happy with the result. I decided against Limitless this week. To my detriment, I just, um, I've had an absolute horror show and I can't wait to go through it with you. But um, I think we should sandwich my bad week in between both of your good weeks. Who did better between you? Nathan. So let's, Aaron, let's start with you. Then we'll give everyone a laugh with my game week. And then uh, and then we're going to finish on a high with, with Nathan finishing above us. So Aaron, talk me through your game week. Yeah, so use my limitless. Just real quick, my team, just as a, a preface. So I'm a, p- a personal trainer for those who don't know. And because of the UK lockdown, I've had to move my whole business to be mobile and basically travel. So I had to get loads of equipment, etc. That took longer than expected on Tuesday. So the time that I was originally meant to do my team, uh, I only had 10 minutes. So I was quite rushed. And thank goodness for this podcast and the research that I did, because it was like some of these players, as soon as the deadline had passed, I didn't want. <laughs> but um, in the end, I was happy with how it turned out with only 10 minutes prep time. So real quick, Bonu and all black goalkeepers. Angelino, he stayed. He was the only player who stayed uh, from my old team. Kimmich, Bonucci, Sergio Ramos, Chilwell. And then midfielders, I had Mo Salah and Mane. Couldn't decide between them, so went with both. Rashford, Sterling, Felix. And then up front, I went Zapata, Ronaldo, and Lewandowski. Uh, Zapata was one of them players that after the deadline, I was like, I don't want him. I didn't want him. I don't know why I got him in. Um, So unfortunately, had to roll with him. Uh, I would have left Haaland in my team. So um, I would like to pretend that I would have went for Messi, but I wouldn't have. Um, I would have went with Haaland again. And overall, finished with 79 points. Uh, I had All Black on the first night uh, because he didn't keep a clean sheet. I swapped him for Benu, who didn't play. So I lost two points. Um, my Lewandowski was my captain, so he got me 20. And because he scored the two goals, I didn't see Ronaldo getting more than that, just with the way Juventus played. So kept it on him and that was the right result in the end uh i was quite happy with both Kimmich and ramos both getting eight points which i wouldn't i would have missed out on them 16 points if i hadn't have limitless and i would have missed out on 22 points if i hadn't have got salah and Mane in my team so overall i'm quite happy it would have done better than my old team but there was so much room for improvement that i didn't leave for myself unfortunately just due to lockdown but overall 
I would rate it a four out of five. <laughs> uh, what were your what were your ranks? So I've went up by quite a lot. So I think last week I was like twenty twenty thousandth or something. I'm now six thousand six hundred and twenty seventh. These ranks will be exactly the same as Nathan's. Spoiler alert: one hundred and twenty sixth in England, and I'm thirty eighth in the Atalanta fan league. That fan league. So, yeah, I've rose by quite a bit. So I'm happy I'm in the top 1% now, which is nice. So for everyone that had a bad week, uh, get get your violins out. I had the decision this week, like everyone else, whether to limitless wildcard. So what I did was, and I'm actually, you know what? The decision not limitless, I'm actually not bothered about. It's the decisions after that. But I kind of just wanted to talk through my thought process. So I looked at my team thinking, oh, I want to limitless. But I'm going to have the exact same team minus the two transfers I'd be allowed um, as game week four, obviously. So if I limit this wildcarded this week, then I would still have this pile of crap for game week four. But it was a case of what I had to do was balance it, balance out upsides. So for example... Angelino playing at home this week without Mbappe and Neymar versus Angelino game week four, probably with Mbappe and Neymar away, like away from home. I was like, I should probably take advantage of this week. Um, Kunde playing at home, Banu playing at home, apparently, Hatabua playing at home. Uh, so for me, I was thinking if I use it now, fair enough, but I'm I might be shafted. On match day four, so I decided not to use it. However, me and Aaron shared a draft, and I put it on on Twitter. That team would have got seventy seven points without a captaincy. Um, I probably because I don't know who I would have captained. I would would have captained maybe Lewandowski for an extra ten points. Um, I certainly, if I hadn't have picked him for for game one, would have picked Ronaldo because that is who I picked for five. So let's presume it would have been. Uh, 82 points overall, which I would have been really happy with. Obviously, I probably would have got a green arrow because I don't think many people did incredibly well this week. But where my my sadness has come from is in both my substitutions and my transfers. So I took a minus four this week to get out Mbappe because he was injured. I took out Forsberg because he's been terrible and Leipzig have been terrible. And I took out Hakimi because Inter hadn't been great and up against Real Madrid, I didn't think you'd do much, which you didn't. So those three players scored a combined 12 points. The players I brought in, Ronaldo got five, Gundogan got five and Alba got three. So that was 13 points, so one point up. But obviously with the minus four, I've lost three points. And I probably would have captained Haaland for game week two if I didn't have Ronaldo, because that was the issue, bringing in Ronaldo and Alba I needed the extra 0.5. I couldn't afford to keep Forsberg, which is why I had to bring in Gundogan. So realistically, I've I've then lost five points from a captaincy. But then my substitutions have just went absolutely terribly. And there's nothing I can really do about it because it wasn't a case of, oh, well, you know, I've made a mistake. I went with the best, best to my knowledge of what, what I could have done. And it's not like any of the teams were out yet. So... I've taken out Hatabua, who was on one point, 
and I've replaced him with Kunde, who got minus two points. So that's three points down. Um, I took out Coleman and put in Deketelair for one point. So there's a point down. And I took out Sportiello, who got two points, despite losing 5 0, and put in Bunu, who got zero points because he didn't play. So there's so basically, I've just spanked the best part of 15, 20 points, half through my own poor decision making and half just because these things happen and it's a game. So my overall points this week were 48 points. Angelina got five, Kimmich got eight, Jordi Alba got three after Dinamo scored, Gunda one with five, Duketler with one, Fatty with six, Voma with two, Haaland with ten gratefully, and Ronaldo, my captain, got five, double to ten. My ranks, I've just dropped in everything, obviously, so I'm 240th in England, and I'm 15,868 globally, which is, I think, the lowest I've ever been over the last two seasons. Um, gratefully, though, I'm up to 15th in our main event podcast. I will give a shout-out, obviously, to first. Um, so that's the Hora Unicorns, Tripass. Got 93 points this week. So has a total of 262, knocking um, Ahmad off first place, who's now uh, in second. Captain Lewandowski had Messi, Ronaldo, De Bruyne, Salah, Alexander-Arnold, Kimmich, Ramos, Edison all playing. Had Chilwell on his bench. So could have been, could have been even better. But yeah, I will. I still might not even limit this for this coming up game. I, I don't know yet. I, I've got a long time to think about it with the international break. And it's not something I'm going to rush into. Nathan, how about yours? Uh, I just want to say thanks to Dan because he actually gave me... Uh, a sent us a photo of a, of a draft squad and I picked quite a few players out of it. Yeah, you're welcome. Everyone can be welcome. <laughs> Just put a thread as well of defenders. And I think more than half of them hit pretty well as as well. So Yeah, I had Edison and goal. I had Kyle Walker, who got eight points. Ramos, eight points. Jordi Alba with three points. Uh, and Kimmich with eight points. And then I had Rashford, Mane and Fatty. And then up top, I just went Haaland, Messi and Ronaldo. Messi was my captain, so he doubled up and got 16 points. So I finished with 83 points. Well done, mate. Really well done. I'm exactly the same ranks as Aaron, uh, and I've moved up to 11th in the main event league. Same. <laughs> 11th. I mean, if you hadn't took that <laughs> minus four, I mean, granted you wouldn't have got Mbappe's two assists, but who knows what it would have been like, Nathan. You could be aiming for the... For the stars, whatever the saying is. <laughs> At minus four. I mean, one point is huge in this game. Like it, <laughs> it could like improve by like five thousand places if you. Yeah, rub, rub it in, mate. No worries, no dramas. <laughs> just, I just went through my team, Aaron. I've lost three points on changing a one-point player. That's how bad it is. Stop rubbing it in. I think you're in a really good position, though, Dan, because you're only 10 points behind us and you still have your limitless. Yeah. Like, in the long run, you've got the advantage and you had a really bad game week six last year and you still managed to finish in the top 1% and you didn't use a limitless last season. So I think you'll be fine in the long run. So you'll be okay. Let's go through some of these matches then, starting with... 
the game that we were probably all looking forward to the most was Atalanta versus Liverpool. Liverpool, I think it was a very close game, winning 5 0. Diego Jota uh, getting a hat trick, and Salah and Mane both getting goals and assists, thankfully. But what did you all think of the game, first of all? I felt Atlanta just never really got started in a way. I mean, they had a couple of lucky, unlucky chances where Allison spilt it and then kind of like saved it with his leg. But once Liverpool got that goal, it was like heads went down and Liverpool just showed that quality in the end. Liverpool were hot to trot from, from moment one. Jota was on another plane of existence even before his goal. He was dancing around ice running through his veins at times how calm and cool he looked like he wasn't even bothered it was like oh this again it was incredible I thought it was 5-0 wasn't a just scoreline I think a realistic scoreline was uh, 9-4 I think Allison has pulled off whirlies, uh, worldies I think if Gasparini's done a Jose Mourinho and checked the, the height of the crossbar you probably want that a couple of inches higher the amount of times the pat has hit it but then Sport Yellow to come away with two points when he's conceded five goals says everything about his performance as well so it was just it was an the scoreline could have been what we all predicted where it was just madness but in the end, the quality of Liverpool showed through. I thought they were very, very deserving of the win. And I don't think Atlanta can have too many complaints. They they should have scored Atalanta. And Liverpool were very, very lucky not to concede. Because, I mean, even the one that came off as a pat of shoulder, that's just luck, really. They're just lucky. Um, that being said, though, Alisson isn't lucky in some of the saves that he's made. He trains every day for that sort of stuff. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I'm just disappointed that everyone's Liverpool clean sheets came in. <laughs> and they all got assists. A lot of them got assists. Yeah. Like oh, Alexander-Arnold rewarding his uh, owners. And But yeah, sorry. What I was saying about Alisson is that he makes very difficult saves look easy because his positioning is so good. And... Uh, like he does that in most of his matches for other goalkeepers who might not be as good position wise. He just makes it look easy, but it's because he's always in the right place. I think he's, he's definitely top five. I know we've had this discussion over our last two seasons, whether people think he's the best, whether he thinks top five, either or he's is a world-class keeper and it's it's these type of matches sure. that show it. Yeah, I fully Especially, agree. And I think they'll need to rely on him a lot with Van Dyke gone. And I think this match showed mm-hmm. how much that they will have to rely on him. Man City on the weekend. And that's exactly another match where Alisson proves his worth. I think he's more important than Van Dyke. I think I'm the only person in the world that probably thinks this. But I do think he's more important than Van Dyke. No, I, I do. I do agree with you. Uh, you know, you've got Adrian who makes an error nearly every every game. And it's like we said before, a confident keeper, a confident defence. That's the thing. with When Alisson's not there, they all look petrified. 
And you can even see Van Dyke looks Van Dyke looks nervous when Adrian's in goal. You can see him shaking his head half the time, like, what is this guy doing behind me? And then Adrian will make a mistake, come and go, like start shouting at them, going, come on. It's like you've just made the mistake, mate. Um whereas with Allison, I think he gives confidence to an entire back four, which an entire back four is obviously better than just a single Van Dyke. And I think the young lads that have came in have done really, really well. And I'm not like Slayton Van Dyke here. He is the best centre-back in the world. I'm not saying that he's not. I just think between the two of them, I actually think Alisson's more important than Van Dyke. It's just a personal thing. People may disagree. It's fine. Um, I think everyone's got their own opinions on who the most important player at Liverpool is. I think ultimately... They're, they're such a good team that obviously you take one of them out, it can you think it can really affect them at the same time because they've got so much coverage everywhere. They are really good at hiding those those missing players. The one place where they can't is goalkeeper, and that's been proven. And then what do we think about Jota? Because we've had we've been quite vocal, especially Dan, about Firmino. And Jota starts, gets a hat-trick. That's four games in a row where he's been on the score sheet, with most of them being off the bench. So does he? should he be the starter for Liverpool? Yes. 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 No doubt about it. It's not just because of his goals. I'm not a, I'm not a goal merchant for, like, stats and stuff. Um you know, we'll talk later on about Haaland's goal-scoring record and who's he's just matched in terms... Like, he's just matched Zidane's total for goals in the Champions League. It doesn't mean he's a better player than Zidane. I'm not someone that thinks, oh, you get a goal, you are better than X player. And I've also... like We talked about it on, like, last year's pods where it's not... We agree that at one point, Roberto Firmino is absolutely a world-class striker. And it took such a long time for people to cotton on that he was a world-class striker that now the can't seem to let it go that he's not. But Jota was the best player in the first half without his goals. He was absolutely ridiculous what he was doing to those Atlanta players. He made Hatterboer look like a conference player. This is someone that obviously we've been talking about a lot. Last season, Hatterboer was absolutely excellent in the Champions League. And he's like... I can't describe the things I was seeing Jota do last night. His finish for his first goal is absolutely like it's it's disrespectful to the goalkeeper because he just didn't even look bothered. Just didn't just so cool, so calm, collected. But he did a few bits before that as well. And it's not to say that Roberto Firmino doesn't have his place in the squad anymore. We've got to respect the job that Firmino's done for that team. We've got to respect that he's a human being, and he is a really good player. He's just, like every player, and we've talked about it before, go through moments, they go through peaks, they go through dips. Firmino's played a lot of football. I think he just needs taken out the side for a little bit. You'll come back, and we'll probably get the Bobby that everyone knows and that everyone fears. But it's right to, at the moment, take him out the team, play him where, where he can be played, but Jota deserves his chance. He deserves his chance as much as anyone. He's saved them over the last few weeks on more than one occasion. Do you think at the time when it came to like the whole Firmino situation like last season, it was that he couldn't be dropped because there wasn't anyone good enough to replace him with, really? 
I agree. I, I think that's exactly it. Um, I just think it's a bit of a myth that Firmino's irreplaceable because he's the glue that holds everything together. Well, they've just beaten Atlanta 5-0 without him, so you're talking absolute nonsense if you believe that. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff, but again, I've said it before, it's people being pretentious because they hear other people saying, they're like, well, I've got, well, I've got to get on this. It's it's just like everything in the world at the moment where you, it has to be black or it has to be white. It's the same with with literally everything on Twitter. You have to be avidly for something or avidly against something. So Roberto Firmino either has to be a terrible player or world-class. And in reality, he's neither. He's just a good player. That was world-class. For those who may be looking at Jota's 7.5 million price tag, is he a player that we should be getting in, or do you think it would be chasing points? Get him in. For his price, it's even if he's on the bench, he can come on and score. We've seen it. Just if you like for that for that price, I'd rather have him in than than Fatty, for example. I've got Fatty at the minute. And I think it's not to say that Fatty's like a worse player than Jota. It's just obviously Fatty seems to be winning penalties or getting assists and things like that. Whereas Jota is going to score goals and ultimately the two points for everything matters. And also Jota likes to play in the press, so he might even get ball recoveries. No, definitely. I think he's worth getting in because might not get as big of a return. However, if you're looking at players around that price tag who can get you a return most weeks... I don't think you have to look further than Jota because he has to play Michelin and stuff and all that. Like, and if Liverpool are at, I think, regardless on whether Liverpool play a full strength squad or they rest certain players, I think Jota will appear in both squads. And that is kind of that a security um, going forward with the last three game weeks knowing that if they're tight in the Premier League and even if they're tight in the Champions League, that Jota will appear in both teams. And I think that that's something that should be looked at, especially for his price tag. So sorry for those who may hear the fireworks behind me. Uh, people going, recording this on Bonfire Night uh, in England, for those who may not know in other countries. But so apologies if you do hear it. I don't get to edit it out. Moving on to Atalanta, a lot of flip me. <laughs> can you hear that? Yeah, we can definitely hear them. <laughs> well, it's, it's either that or you're living in the ghetto. But we want you to talk about Atalanta. <laughs> All right. So if you if you listen if you listen to this and does the gang fight outside because uh, Biden's won? Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so Atalanta. I mean, they, they did have a lot of injuries, so the team was at risk of not being 100%. However, I think like what you were saying, Dan, they it, they could have easily scored. They had the opportunities. Allison was inspired. The crossbar is a little bruised. And I think like a full strength Atalanta would have done better, at least scored. But I think... That's as much as Atalanta could do. And this was their best chance of getting at this Liverpool team with their weakened defence with no Van Dijk. Um, and 
I think not having Romero on, who's been solid for them in the middle of the back three, was huge. And although Palomino has been solid in seasons past, he's gotten a lot of assists from corners, flicking it on. I just don't think that... I think once it got to about 3-0 straight after the half time, they were kind of like, oh, well, our plan of getting back into it is gone now. And so, yeah, I, I, I... I wasn't sure about Atalanta going into this. I was confident that they would score at least, but Zapata let me down in my team, so shame on him. What about everyone else? What did you think Atalanta-wise? I was just really disappointed, obviously. I wanted a a more dramatic game, and we didn't, we didn't see it, just with Liverpool's dominance and Atalanta not turning up in front of goal. Zapata took until about 65 minutes to even really start playing. Yeah, just thoroughly disappointed. Yeah, I would agree. I think first goal and that was it, heads so down. They've got Liverpool again next at Anfield. Obviously, the Anfield effect isn't as great because there's no fans. But what if you were Gasparini, what would you do to try and change things for the second leg pray that Romero and Gorsons are back because even Gorsons going forward can pin back other players whereas the replacement left wing back isn't good enough they didn't have I tell you who they were missing massively is Darun yeah he's a force in the middle of the pitch and he's a, he's a big lad as well and he breaks things up and without him it was so easy for Liverpool. It's just so, so easy. I think they're going to need a little bit of luck because, again, if, if one of those earlier chances goes in, I think probably, I think they had a really good chance at 2-0. Then again, that changes the complexion of the game, can make the defence nervous. But when they're just not going in for you, Liverpool could do what they want. They need to defend better from their own set pieces. Liverpool yeah. scored one and nearly scored another just directly from punting the ball up the middle of the pitch and no one was there. Like, that's crazy. So just little basic things. Ultimately, I don't think there's that much you can do defensively when you're missing two of your starting back five. Arguably, the two best players of a back five and you're going up against Salah, Mane and Jota in his form. I think... I think Ilicic probably could have done a better job than Muriel because I know Liverpool play a high line and Muriel is he's a quicker striker. He's definitely not got the pace that he did and his prime was severe. But I think Ilicic is just different Like because I don't think there's anybody else in the team that really is a threat from long range. So when Liverpool do become compact, there's not anyone that can really score or at least get a shot on target from distance. So Liverpool kind of knew that Atlanta were just going to try and look for that pass or to try and break on the counter while Ilicic gives another weapon. So hopefully these next few weeks, he's able to work on his fitness. And I think that he would offer something else. And then sub him off for Muriel later on 
I think that would probably be the way that I would go moving forward. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, um, so. I still think Liverpool will win at home comfortably, but hopefully they can give them a better game. I'm glad that we that we all said Liverpool would win anyway. So, <laughs> moving on to the next game, which I think was a well, it was the biggest surprise to me. I said that Shakhtar would win. Much in Gladbach, absolutely destroyed them, six nil. Didn't see this coming. Uh, I know Dan, you were heaping praises on the team, so. But did you see this big of a scoreline coming? No, I, I could see lots of goals one way or another. Shakhtar do like to score, so that was surprising that they didn't. But they've also got a terrible defensive record. I know that they score, uh, they kept a clean sheet against Inter, but that's, you know, I think it was a bit of a red letter day for them. And I think statistically, Munchen Gladbach were set to score quite a few anyway. So when I saw it, it wasn't a huge surprise but obviously any team that wins 6-0 is going to raise some eyebrows that's not what we I, no one expects a 6-0 unless it's you know top of the league versus bottom of the league and even then it rarely works out that way I mean even if we look last season when Manchester City played Norwich and they got beat 3-2 and everyone was having bets on 8-0 it's just such a rare scoreline so I think anyone would be lying if they said that they predicted 6-0 unless they've got the proof on the predictor game. But I could definitely see a lot of goals. And yeah, I, I, I would have been more shocked if Mönchengladbach didn't win this one, just beating Leipzig in the league and up against a team that can ship goals. And they're really confident and they looked quality against Real Madrid for the most part. So yeah, yeah I, I I didn't see it as a surprise that Mönchengladbach won, but trying to pick their players, they're all in on it. Turam, obviously, last week with the player getting a couple of assists. Now, player's got a hat rick. Stindl's popping in with some. Uh, it was just everyone. Everyone, the centre-back had another goal. It's just insane. So, I think getting, especially if you're on a wild card, getting a Munching Gladbach player in sounds like a really good idea, whether that's Turam, player, or one of those midfielders like a Stindl or something like that. I, I think that's a really, really smart idea. They're going to play against Shakhtar again. And I don't think they'll be scared of Inter Milan and Real Madrid. Definitely. Fair play to the 2% that had player in. Uh, 18 points, three goals and assist, and then the extra point for a goal outside the box. Just unbelievable. Um I've backed player in this podcast as well, and I yeah, still haven't put him in the team. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've talked about playing two Ram a lot, haven't you? Yeah, the, 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 them two just linking up. It's been It was dangerous last season, and it seems to just be getting even better this season. Uh, a lot of people... <clears throat> I think that's probably something that we'll have to do during the, this little break is looking at which players are playing for Munchen Gladbach to help people know which ones to transfer in for the upcoming fixtures. I do think that they'll beat Inter Milan this time around. And yeah, I think, Dan, you predicted that they were going to finish second or something. One of us did, I remember. And on this form... You did, did it was you, not me. You said it's going to be 
Real Madrid, then Mönchengladbach, and Inter would finish well, third, I think you said. What can I say? I am brilliant. Uh, um, <laughs> you said that on purpose, so I'd no correct comment. you, didn't you? Um, but no, <laughs> yeah. they look well on the money, and it just depends on which ones to get in. Obviously, limited forward split uh, spaces, but... Yeah, they, this is a team that you do have to invest in, and they could even top the group because of Real Madrid's stumble at the start of this group stage. And so we'll see what happens in the upcoming games. Shakhtar letting a few people down, especially those that had Tete in their team. Uh, Bondar, lots of people went for four million Bondar, and he's on a minus one. I was laughing at him, and then obviously it turned right around with Kunde. But yeah, <laughs> he obviously he conceded six goals and scored an own goal. So I give the ball away as well for the he give the ball away, tracked back and then mm. gave away the own goal. Yeah, deflected off his foot. Yeah, not good. It's just bad game, bad game for him. It's just <laughs> you've just got to draw a line under these ones. I I, I think for the return leg, like, it's not going to be six nil, but. You've got to be brave not to go with any munching black. They're at back home players. this time around as well. So um, and I think it, it just shows how sporadic this Shakhtar team is. Like after losing by five goals to Inter Milan a couple of months ago, to then draw nil-nil and beating Real Madrid, you're like, oh yes, this team's could be the real deal. They could qualify out of this group, which nobody saw coming, and then they lose six-nil. Um, so I don't know what to read of this team. I don't know if I trust any of them to bring them in, uh, especially knowing I have to face all these teams again. I think my money would be probably worth, would probably be better spent elsewhere. But I don't know if you feel the same. I think I'm just going to look at I'm definitely looking at at least one Munch and Gladbach player, but nothing in Shakhtar. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, times change quickly in football and I'd be yeah. looking comfortably at Munch and Gladbach players. I think I think I, a move for me is probably looking, if I don't limit this this week, which I, I very well for the next game week, which I am likely to do anyway, but if I don't, I think going from Gomez to player is is the smart, the smart move for me. Either play or two ram. I think they're both absolutely quality, but players doing a little bit more. Players eight million as well, so I can afford them. So yeah, I think Gomez to play eight and a half million to eight million. You know what, Dan? That was the exact transfer I was just looking at. There you go. I, I, <laughs> if I don't limit this wild card, that'll be one of my transfers. Yeah. And I think the other one would probably be Fatty to Jota. Yeah, definitely Fatty to. Okay, so a couple of people may accuse us of being anti-Manchester United on this podcast, especially the way that we acted during the group stage. However, I think after this next match that we're going to talk about, no surprise, it's Manchester United. I think it's well warranted, the abuse that we're about to give them. Istanbul 2, Manchester United 1. Who wants to start? (laughs) I'll do it. I'll do it. Take it easy, Nathan. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, when a team's up for a corner and 32-year-old or however, however old he is, 
Demba Bar. 35, I think he is. 35 year old Demba Bar with strawberry syrup has run from his own half when he receives the ball and scores. Something is wrong with your defending and something is wrong with the manager's tactics for defending. So I've seen a couple of things on Twitter that I really want to address with this because it's proper wound me up. First things first, I've heard some people saying that this is Dean Henderson's fault. No. Because he didn't communicate with Matic that there was a player free. So first of all, Matic is a Premier League winner. He's an experienced 30-odd-year-old centre midfielder. He can look to his left. He's a holding midfielder who has been put there to mark Demba Bar. It's not Dean Henderson's fault that he's went on a wonder to pick up the ball and not told anyone where he was going or not told anyone to get back and just left him alone and then decided at no point to have a look to see where he is. It's not Dean Henderson's fault. Also, if Dean Henderson is capable of shouting 50, 60, 70 yards up a pitch that someone's free, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can get off his moss, get up and start screaming at players, but no, he's got his legs crossed, he's watching his little monitor, he's having a great time. Secondly, Twanzebi didn't have a great game, but he is the only person that has even made any attempt to get back other than Matic, who was the last man. Obviously, it's Matic's man, he should really be following him. But out of the players in the box, Twanzebi is the only one that has made an effort to sprint back. He hasn't made it back, and that's kind of made it look like he's responsible in some way. It's the entire team's fault, but why isn't Harry Maguire busking good to get back? Why isn't Marcus Rashford, who's one of the fastest players in the league, busking good to get back? Why isn't Aaron Wan-Bissaka busking good to get back? They're not even trying, but somehow it's Dean Henderson's fault and Axel Twanzebe's got pulled off at halftime, which is just a joke because, yes, he wasn't having a great game, but neither were the rest of them. It's just a calamity of unbelievable proportions. The manager has to take blame. The captain, Harry Maguire, has to take blame. I mean, he's the captain. He should be looking and saying, right, we're waiting a long time for this ball. Also, if you know that you're playing it short, which statistically is a better, you have a better chance of scoring goals, short from a corner, goes short from a corner, in-swing from a corner, out-swing from a corner. That is statistics. Um, I think The Athletic covered that recently. So I understand why you might want to play it around, but don't put both centre-halves in the box if that's the case. And also there are basics. that You've got a man forward, you have one in front and one behind, like that is actual Sunday league schoolboy stuff that the captain cannot sort out somehow. And yet it's Dean Henderson's fault, obviously. You're talking crap if you think that it's Dean Henderson's fault. Absolute nonsense. Like, yes, Dean Henderson could shout, oh, so that makes it all his fault. Rubbish. He might have been shouting. Doesn't mean anyone was listening. Why wasn't anyone else shouting? Why is it only his responsibility? Matic is an experienced centre midfielder. He's won Premier League titles. He can look over his shoulder. He's well capable of it. So yeah, that's my rant over on that. I'd just like to add as well, when you're not having a shot until 65 minutes in the second half and you only have two shots on target in the second half when you've got the majority of your attacking players on the pitch. Like, there's something clearly wrong there. One other thing I've seen lobbied, sorry, Dean Henderson, is that he should have been higher up the pitch. Now, when you look at the grass cuts, like, each one of those is generally around 10 yards. So we can do the maths that 2 times 10 is 20. It's quick, I know. It's Carol Vorderman-level stuff. So Demba Bar was 20 yards inside his own box. How high are you wanting, Dean Henderson? <laughs> what are you talking about? You want to be higher? <laughs> Shut up! Honestly... People on Twitter 
do my head in with their different, I'm doing like little quotation marks, different opinions. It's it's clear as day what went wrong. There should be two players there to defend. Matt shouldn't go wandering. That goal doesn't happen. Like it's it's really that simple. Stop trying to overcomplicate it by blaming other factors to make yourself look smarter than you are because you're actually just make yourself look like you're completely clueless. It's good to have our own Roy Keane on the show. Yeah, so Dan, Dan, <laughs> can you uh, can you tell us how you feel? Uh, yeah, just uh, pretty calm. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, I thought people who just keep trying to pass the blame off to different people, I think what the main thing that we need to look at is that it was an overall another bad performance by Manchester United, and there's been a couple of these this season. We've never been Ollie out. We're quite respectful on that. However, we I think we can all admit his time is running thin and that at any minute, I feel like they could pull the trigger. And apparently the rumours are saying that if, it, if he doesn't get a result against Everton, but like I said last week, there's only two unstoppable forces in the world and one of them is a Manchester United team when Oli is about to get sacked. So we'll see what happens with that. I think one thing, just to big up ourselves about it, we did say that Martial is worth getting in to our teams. Uh, he was in my draft that I, that was put on Twitter. Although he only scored one goal and we probably expected more. However, that was the only bright spark, I think, for this Manchester United team. And also, just want to, again, big up myself. Big up Aaron Reed. This time I'll be direct about it. I said that... Istanbul would not finish on zero points and that they would get a point from somewhere. I wasn't expecting three. Bigging yourself up over the most vague of predictions. Something incredibly likely to happen. They're going to get one point. No, to be fair, if you listen back to the podcast, I, uh, people started laughing. So you know what? I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I didn't. It was just a random prediction. No, because I originally said that they would get a point and I said it would be against Man U because I had them finishing third. So there you go. For those who put a bet on from that episode, I expect a little bit of the... 0% of our listenership. (laughs) I feel like our listenership would be bankrupt if they made bets according to our predictions. (laughs) All I'm going to say is I did put a bet on yesterday and I did have Man United to win and I'm not happy about it. But Istanbul, great performance. I know, I feel like bad for a lot of these teams when it's always against Manchester United and Arsenal and stuff like that. If like a smaller team wins against them because it's all about how man you aren't the team of old and it's all Gary Neville, Roy Keane talking about how they're not good anymore. Real Ferdinand on BT Sport. It's all about Man U. They very, very rarely talk about the other team. And so I feel like I want to change that. I think we need to spend the next 10, 15 minutes talking how good Istanbul are. Can we make that like the next three minutes? Yeah, I was joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some stand who who were some standout performers for you all when you were watching this match? If you do. Raphael. 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 Not Benitez. Um he was quality, he was everywhere <laughs> when he he turned into one goal or candy for the night. Funnily enough, he's the kind of player Man United needed and Man United sold him. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was garbage for Man United. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously he's changed his position now because he was a right back, but mm. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but Martin Skirtle coming out with some big claims that uh, they wish we could play Man United every week. It's quite <laughs> funny. 
especially when he got completely mugged off by Anthony Martial when he did play for Liverpool. Yep. It was just, it was a really strong performance by them. Don't get me wrong, the first 20, like, let's be real, the first 20, 25 minutes, even once the goal had gone in, Man United were the dominant side, were knocking the ball around really well, they created some chances, it could have been a very, very different game. Man United weren't bad for the first half an hour of this game. They did. They had one really bad moment, and that sort of eclipsed everything. In general, they were knocking the ball around quite well, but we've also got to say, you're playing one of the lowest-seeded teams in the competition. They are really bad. They've not had a good start the season. I think we said in our previews, they were probably the worst team in the competition. Mm-hmm. They've got a player, I can't remember his name, but he is the definition of insanity according to Einstein isn't he every time he gets it he has a shot from 25 yards out and it's always over the bar Vishka so frustrating because he's a good player but just practice shooting a bit more he's always really really surprised when he doesn't hit the target it's like well what do you expect to keep on doing the exact same thing fair play to the 7% who had Raphael this week yeah I mean they've also had him for the last two weeks as well yeah I mean it's just crazy that when you normally have him in, like, oh, yeah, Raphael, I've heard of him. Four million, sweet. And then uh, it actually paid off. So fair play to the people who, who who have at least started him, at least maybe people just had him on there. Cameron had, Cameron had him on his bench. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not anti-Man United before people accuse us of it. However, I think a lot of things need to change, and I don't think that's a secret. You don't need us to tell you that. On to the next game, Real Madrid 3, Inter Milan 2. Good game overall, I would say, uh, for a neutral standpoint anyways. What did you guys think of the game? Congratulations to Sergio Ramos, 100 goals. Yeah, that's insane for a centre-back. It's class for any player. Like, 100 like hundred goals is a lot of goals. The fact that he's a centre-back is absolutely outrageous. I mean, I only have seen the highlights of it. Uh, I didn't watch the full game, but one of the goals especially was... A huge mistake from Hakimi. Like, I don't know where he was putting that ball. Yeah, it was the pass back, wasn't it? It was a good assist, I thought. I think we've got to give a lot of credit to Benzema. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for this sort of stuff, but it's not an accident. He did the same in um, the Champions League final a couple of years ago against Liverpool, where he's really smart, where he can sniff out a mistake. Mm-hmm. And he hunts the ball down. Like A lot of strikers wouldn't even bother chasing that ball down, but he does and he gets the rewards from it. So I think as much as it, it like it's an undeniable mistake by Hakimi, we've got to give some credit to Benzema for just sniffing that out, really. And by the way, how good was Martinez's goal? Barella's flick. Oh, that that flick was beautiful. Got no right to be doing that away at Real Madrid. <laughs> and then <laughs> it was a really good finish by Martinez. Martinez played really well with uh, without Lukaku there. He stepped up, got the assist, I think, for the second goal as well. I think it's because he had to be the main man. Like, because Lukaku's not there, he knew he was the main man to get the goals. And it's like, when Lukaku's there, he kind of becomes secondary. Aaron, what do you make of it? Obviously, Italian correspondent. The our Italian correspondent. <laughs> I think Martinez is the main man Inter Milan. I think Lukaku is the prolific striker, but this team is made for Martinez, in my opinion. Well, it's it's in a typical Conte system, the front two always benefit. It's because his system is just getting the ball to the front two as quickly as possible. And Barella, I've always rated him. He's a young Italian prospect who, I mean, he broke into the Italian national team at a young age, and that was ahead of the likes of Verratti, 
Jorginho, people like that. He's, he's done well for them in the, in the past two seasons that he's been there. Brozovic is solid. Uh, Vidal, the ever all reliable. I just think that not, I don't want to bang the whole Conte drum again because there's no point. But I think Inter Milan did well in the, under the circumstances without their star player. And fair play to Perisic. I feel like he's a very underrated player. Going to Bayern Munich last year, he wanted out of Inter Milan the year before. And he's come back and he would have ideally liked to have moved on from Inter Milan. But I think that was more so because of the whole Accardi, the team being built around him rather than being a team effort. Because there was a bit of training room bust-ups between nationalities. But um, overall, I think Inter Milan did well under the circumstances to get that kind of result. It's not been a great start for them in terms of points. But if they get it right these last three games, they could do what Atlanta did a few, I think it was actually just last year, where they could qualify without winning the first three games. And they've got the star players to be able to do that. It's just whether they get it right on the night. Yeah, I think it's it, we've got to be careful, obviously, as well. They were playing Real Madrid away. Yeah. Um, and I thought it showed great character to come back from 2-0 down. Uh, Ramos, uh, I, again, I, I can't really say much more than he will score goals, whether it's from the, with the penalty spot or from a corner. He will just score goals. So I, I, for that reason, I always find him fixture-proof. And if he gets a clean sheet, terrific. I thought that they would have kept a clean sheet this week, to be honest. But I put my thread for the defensive options. Go Ramos game week one, because you can always chain, switch him out. But anything can happen with him. And I, for that, I kind of find a, like a bit of an adrenaline rush player to pick. It's like, is he getting red carded or is he getting a brace today? I'm not entirely sure. And the last goal was absolutely terrific. Great driving run. Great pass in the finish. You know, he broke the net, Rodrigo. Mm. I thought in the end, in, I can feel hard done by because to show the character to come back from two goals down, it's always harsh to lose. But if you looked at the game objectively over 90 minutes, I do think Real Madrid deserved to win. They were so strong in the first half. And the goal that Inter scored is as unbelievable as it was, sort of came against the runner play. Varane, that's what I wanted to talk about. Varane is putting in worrying performances. I saw him at points where we talked about PSG defenders in the final last year where one was in front of the other. Varane's got a habit of doing that. He was nowhere for the goal. And then later on, Inter Milan could have scored. Do you know when the ball sort of rolls out and the commentator is speaking and you're waiting for the, the replay to come up? Yeah. Just before the replay came up, that's when Varane actually entered the camera. I was like, where is he? What is he doing? So we've talked about him before. I think his development is stunting. Uh, he's not improving and his positioning is wild. So Ramos has happened to do a lot of the graft back there. No, 100%. So on of our other Spanish team that we like, I let a lot of people down, but amazing game, amazing comeback. Sevilla winning 3-2 against Krasnodar. Krasnodar, free kick, penalty, find themselves 2-0 up. Then Rakitic, all reliable, he then scored. But then Sevilla went down to 10 men. And I'm sure a lot of people were kind of like, oh, here comes an upset. 
Sevilla found a way to come back and win the game. Very entertaining game. First of all, very sad with the goalkeeper situation. <laughs> I think that was one of the saddest parts about this game. I didn't even want to watch the highlights or anything because I was so sad about it. But what what's everyone else's thoughts on in the game in general? I was just raging from the get-go. Kunde got booked within 16 minutes. He was lucky not to get sent off because his penalty that he conceded should have been a yellow, undoubtedly. And then he stubbed off after 32 minutes and conceding two goals. So, yeah, I was sat there seething. But then once he's off, it was a case of, well, look, this has happened. I'm kind of just happy for Krasnodar. And then obviously because my mood shifted to be happy for Krasnodar, that's what caused them to lose 3-2. Fully blaming you them. <laughs> Fully blame me and my my emotion. As soon as I like something, it's going to end badly. Like that's just the way the universe works. I didn't actually uh, see the highlights of the game. Kept nine on my live score, and I got quite. I was actually quite shocked when I seen they were losing two 0 Yeah, I watched quite a bit of this. I don't know why. It was just a topsy turvy game. Krasnodar are really unlucky not a win, to be honest, because I thought they were absolutely fantastic in the first half. And especially going up against 10 men when he's just Navas gets sent off, he stands on the back of a uh, of Krasnodar attacker's foot and his shoe comes off. It was one of those where we thought it was a red card and a penalty, but it was a red card and a free kick. I think it's harsh because I don't think Navas has even tried to make a tackle. I think it's one of them where they've ran and they've met each other in a plane of running. And he's just, he stood on the back of his ankle I think some of the refereeing decisions in general this weekend were pretty poor. It's hard to argue because he was through one-on-one. So, yeah, it's like, fine. I think, obviously, Krasner are unlucky because if Navas doesn't make the tackle, the score, and it's 3-1. But there's two players for Sevilla that really impressed me. A Campos going to right-back was unbelievable. He played like he's the best right-back in the world. Just so assured, so, so, so confident. And then El Naziri as well. His finishing is just so clean and crisp. Very direct sort of player, really aggressive, suits Sevilla's playing style down to the ground. And it was one of those where you're thinking, well, why not sort of start with him? I think he came off the bench. But ultimately, Sevilla definitely deserved the win in the end because of the determination that they had to show to come back from being 2-1 down with 10 men, from being 2-0 down, really, then 10 men. Yeah. It was a phenomenal second half performance from them because they looked like they had 12 men and Krasnodar looked like they had 10. It was just, Kunde couldn't have played any worse. He was sloppy. His tackles were bad. His first touch, he just it felt like he hadn't done a warm-up. That's kind of what yeah. it felt. But we'll move on to the next game because we've got a big one to talk about and a few games to get through. So we've got Bayern Munich 6-2 against Salzburg. We've said from the get-go that Bayern Munich are vulnerable in the opening stages of a game, and that has proved it again this week. Yeah. Did you watch it, Nathan? I've seen little bits of it. I've seen. I was in and out, uh, but I was very surprised. I wasn't really surprised when Bayern were losing at first, but then when the second goal goes in, you start thinking maybe this could be an upset. Well, at the start, you did think that an upset was was about to happen. But I think just with Bayern Munich's team, the quality was so good that when Lewandowski got his first goal, it was kind of like I wasn't worried. Like, I mm. I kind of just knew that they were going to come back. And I think that just says a lot about this team, that there's so many good players, which is no news to anybody. It's, it's just the kind of selecting the right players from this team. I think you've just got to go with the proven 
players. We said Hernandez a few weeks ago for when Davies was injured. He ended up getting on the score sheet. So well done for those who had him. Jerome Boateng, well done. <laughs> but again, Lewandowski and Kimmich, I think they're just the two mainstays. And I think you've got to have both of them in your team, to be fair, because two assists for Kimmich and even on a bad day for Bayern Munich, he still got two assists and Lewandowski two goals. They're his first points of the season in the Champions League for him. So fair play. I enjoyed the game though. Good quality all around. Salzburg, like we said last week, fearless and attacking. I enjoyed it. It's it's frustrating being a Coleman owner because he hit the woodwork again. He loves hitting the crossbar of the post. And that's getting frustrating. Jerome Boateng, I thought, was it? He had an absolute shocker for the first goal. So poor, but makes amends with the goal. I had 5 2 on my predictor, so I wasn't chuffed when the last goal went in, but it was just such a dominant, dominant scoreline. And I think it doesn't tell the full story, really. It wasn't a 6-2, in my opinion. It didn't feel like that. And I think Salzburg could have got more out the game. Hernandez is very lucky that he didn't get booked for the first penalty incident where he's actually fouled the other player because he's put his, his studs right into the player's shin pads. He's, he's a lucky boy. And then especially how he's had the audacity to claim a penalty off it. I think another referee on another day could be punishing him for that. I think it would have been correct to do so. And that could change the entire complexion of the game. Bayern Munich defensively look all over the place. But one thing that we did say is with Hernandez, his heat map's insane. It's all the way... (laughs) It's like Andrew Robertson levels. He's constantly in the box. He's having shots. And he's came up with a goal. And it's not a surprise. I think we mentioned it on on one of the preview or review podcasts literally last week or the week before that if you weren't going to go Kimmich, if you needed the money, don't go Pavard, don't go Davies, go Hernandez. And he's popped up. He's nearly gotten a goal and a cheeky assist if if uh, the pen had have stood. Yeah. it's no. I think there's not much to say because there are no surprise from this team. Bayern Munich can't defend very well and they are phenomenal going forward. There's nothing that we haven't said in the last four to six weeks of us doing these podcasts. No, definitely. On to another game where another manager is finding themselves under a lot of pressure. Leipzig beating Paris Saint-Germain 2-1. Paris Saint-Germain are kind of just falling apart, aren't they? The, um, I, think it's, I think we should start with them, despite how good Leipzig were to get back into the game. But two red cards. One thing I, I find disappointing is that Danilo, who is absolutely solid as a defensive midfielder in the Portuguese national team, absolutely solid in Porto before that, plays centre-back, and then Marquinhos plays defensive mid. It just doesn't make any sense, Aaron. It really doesn't. Like Danilo is absolutely solid, and he's an absolute brick wall. But yet, let's just swap these two players around for the sake of it. No tactical thinking behind it other than Marquinhos did well here last year. <laughs> like Other than that, there's no tactical thinking. Uh, Sarabia, again, it's kind of like when he comes off the bench, he's really, really good. 
but when they rely on him, he's not. Mm. Di Maria, he was kind of the only player when you saw the starting lineup who you thought, oh yeah, he could get a goal here, but he's not a reliable player to have in fantasy. So I think Paris Saint-Germain are in real, real trouble. I think there'll be a manager change soon, but that's just me. What about, or did you think of Paris Saint-Germain's performance before we go on to Leipzig, who deserved the praise? I think the end of the game kind of showed the mentality of them players, like when when literally Kempembe is just hacking a player down. Basically, at the end of the game, you're just thinking, oh, I'll just take him down. It's a stupid red card to, to get. Costing your team when you've got, got to go play them again. I thought Paris Saint-Germain were fairly dominant in the first half an hour. I don't think anyone can criticise performance. I thought Leipzig were really poor. Mm-hmm. Moise Kian looks like a real player for them. I thought he was their best player on the night. Yeah. He's a handful. He's the one that's nicked the ball off. Upamecano for the goal. He's put it on a plate for Di Maria. I thought he was excellent. Genuinely thought he was excellent. Di Maria was a man who just, again, ups and downs within the game. He gets the goal. He then, I think he scores another goal, but he's offside and it's a stupid run to be offside. He could have, he could have held it. He's missed the penalty. So I think a lot of things went against PSG that small margins. And if they go another way, realistically, they could have been in a halftime three and a lot and it's well done, Tuchel. But when it does go wrong, you've got to look at exactly what you're saying, Aaron, playing people out of position. We do need the context of, they don't have the two best players. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as much as, yeah, you're obviously going to miss Neymar and Mbappe. You've got to look at the rest of the team and go, well, are they any worse than Leipzig? And especially in Leipzig's current form, the answer is no. So they could do more. Idrissa Garnagay, really unlucky, I think. I don't think that's a red card at all. The, sec- the second yellow isn't a yellow card. Not every foul is a yellow card. No, that was, that definitely wasn't a yellow card. The second one, I think he's lucky that it wasn't just a straight red, let alone a second yellow. Mm. Obviously, it's cynical, but then to kick someone, he's kicked him right in the knee. Yeah. I think Kimpembe is really lucky that he wasn't just given a straight red. I think the referee's obviously aware that he's already hooked him. And he, it's an easy decision. Oh, well, it's less controversial. Give him the second yell, he's off. And it was stupid. Just let him go. Like, you are losing 2-1. You're down to 10 men. If you lose 3-1, who cares? But you're right, Nathan. It's petulant and dangerous, but ultimately naive and stupid because... Yeah. He's now missing for the next game when they could have needed him, especially if they are going to have big players out. So I think they'll be really disappointed. They didn't produce anything in the second half at all, PSG, but the first half they were thoroughly dominant and probably a little unlucky to go and level at half time. I appreciate Leipzig had a couple of chances, but nothing is clear cut as PSG and PSG were just in the ascendancy at all times. They seem very in control of the first half for 90% of it. Definitely. I was quite disappointed that Matt Limitless made me take out Galaxy with his penalty save. Oh, that would have been nice for points, but Angelino did well. He's just a very attacking player and he's, he's such a bargain, which a lot of people have caught on to now. His price has skyrocketed. He's now 5.4. So for those who have had him in from the start, that's a nice little budget increase there. We'll we'll kind of, during the little break, we'll give everyone an update on which players have went up and down in prices. I think that would be interesting for a lot of people to know. But Leipzig, I mean, three points at the end of the day, which is really, really good for them. And I sounded like a f- typical football interview there. <laughs> uh, 
at the end of the day, three points. But that makes the table really, really interesting, especially as all these teams need to face each other. With PSG, Istanbul on three points, Leipzig and Manu at six. I think any of these teams, well, maybe not Istanbul, but any of the others could still go on to win the group. And I think that if Tuchel doesn't win the next game against Leipzig, I think that's it. That could be curtains. Yeah, because... Yeah, I agree. I don't think Man U will lose twice. With regards to Leipzig, I think they're in trouble defensively. Uber Meccano had another bad game. Uber Meccano has a 3 out of a 10 game, or a 10 out of 10 game. No in-between. He's got no in-between. Because he gave away the pen as well, which was a bit harsh, but... I don't know what he was doing for the first goal. He didn't have a good game in general, and they also uh, had a goal ruled out for offside as well, PSG, when Sarabia had a shot, and I think it was Moise Kian put it in. Yeah. And defence just give the ball away they're not Upa Meccano uh, I think they're missing Klosterman I mentioned this when you take away really important cogs in a well-oiled machine you're going to struggle in certain areas they didn't really have any protection in the game I don't think the midfield played well in the first half at all I think they missed Campbell in there I think he came on in the second half he should have been starting realistically to because he just sits there and he knocks the ball around and he'll protect and he does really well at that Angelino was unlucky not to get a goal, as it was a really good save. But Nkunku really stood out for me as a good player because he missed a couple of really good chances and he scored the goal. And of every single Leipzig player, it's him and Angelino were the two from the eye test in that game that really stood out, like they could get some points. Definitely. Moving on to Juventus 4, Franco Varos 1. Uh, look at me not being able to say these team names a few weeks ago and now it just rolls off the tongue. I'm proud of you. <laughs> proud of you. let a lot of people down in this one. I think that's an important place to start. But Morata looking solid uh, for, for those who stuck with them since the start. Uh, Stayed De- on side. It's an improvement. Yeah. Dybala um, getting a goal as well. However... Letting a goal in at the 90th minute messed with so many teams, so frustrating, including mine. I was going to say, did it mess with yours, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, Benucci didn't get a clean sheet, which is really annoying. But uh, I think Perlo's set on his uh, 4-3-3. It was interesting to see Ronaldo start on the right wing, back to his man new days. Um, but hopefully... Perlo settles on a formation soon so that I can actually give you insights on what his plan is. But at the minute, I just don't know. I don't think the players do. I think you can kind of see that in the way that they play. But what are your thoughts on the game? I thought the keeper at times was laughable. Like two of the mistakes he made for two goals. You can tell like they're not a like when was when you were saying before Dan Istanbul are probably the worst team in this competition. I think it's actually fair in Kavaros, but like just for the goalkeeper alone at times. I don't think the conditions helped. It was lashing it down, mm. uh, and some of the goals that he conceded were absolute worldies. But you're right; they are bad. They are really bad. <laughs> uh, I th- it was one of those nights for Ronaldo where he could have got the first one. It went through his legs to flick it. He's Mr. One-on-One, essentially. I'm sure one of the other goals he could have gotten on. Oh, and he had um, Morata slide one through for an open goal and 
the pass was a little under hit and the defenders managed to get there. Yeah. But he looks lively. If He looks really, really lively and he looks hungry. So, yeah, look, his points total wasn't great, but I've got confidence in him for the next game. I, it's only a matter of time with him. And I thought, as just as a general outfield player, he put in a really good performance. He nearly had an assist for Chiesa. I thought Juventus were shocking defensively. It could have been 4-3. It's really, it could have been 6-3. I think uh, Juventus have missed a lot of good chances. Morata's finishing's on another level at the minute. He's some boy. That's his second goal. Wow. Then Dybala's came on and made the most of a couple of absolute gifts, really. I, I don't think there was much to say beyond that point. I just thought the weather was getting in the way. They lost a lot of confidence and... The, the what obviously they hadn't scored yet at this point. They got the last goal of the game, so I just think confidence-wise, we're a bit. They're already beaten mentally. Yeah. Dybala will not have an easier chance to score two goals, and he still nearly missed one of them. And I was screaming for him to pass it to, to Ronaldo, but never mind. One of his goals has been considered as an own goal now. Yeah, the, the second goal. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. Uh, Weston McKinney's step over was absolutely beautiful as well. For it was for Morata's goal. That was a great goal. Ronaldo, great pass. McKinney, great step over, and then what a finish! So it was a well worked goal. To be fair, I was just surprised at how often Frank Varos actually got in to score against Juventus. They just weren't good enough in front of goal. If they had someone let's say, like a Demba bar, then, um, yeah, I just think if they had someone in front of goal, it would have been a very different story because they did get in. They caused Juventus' defence a lot of headaches. Quadrado, if he was a defender on the game, would be straight in my team. He looks so threatening going forward, but when he plays in defence and he's actually midfielder, it's just it's too frustrating because he's only ever really likely to get assists. Yeah. On to the next game, which is Dortmund 3, Bruges 0. Solid performance by Dortmund. Haaland getting two goals, like what you mentioned earlier. Dan, he's now equaled a couple of legendary players' record, uh, and he's done it so early in his career as well. Uh, He was one, like I was saying before, I wish I had him in my team. I wish I'd kept him, but uh, happy for those who had him in. And it just shows that he's going to be such a good player. Like he's already, he already is one of the best strikers in the world, but it's scary if he can continue this trajectory on what player he could become. Uh, although I don't know if you saw the interview afterwards. I thought that was the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's the best thing I've ever watched. Like just Holland, Holland's face, like says it all when he asks him that question. He's like, you serious? <laughs> for the benefit of anyone that hasn't seen the interviewer asked Haaland if you'd be sleeping alone tonight uh, and when Haaland said yes he said oh is that because you didn't get a hat Rick so you've got no girlfriend or something and it was just abysmal but if you can get if you can find 
it on YouTube or something, or it's, I think it's on like a lot of people have posted it on Twitter for Jamie Carragher's reaction, which is hilarious. Oh, it's brilliant. Carragher's reaction just I thought we're all getting sacked for a moment. Yeah. It's just class. Like I've got no idea what's going on. I've seen it um caught offside for the red card. It's just absolutely horrific how bad that interview was. But yeah, Haaland, it was against the run of play. Um, Bruges, for the first 45 minutes were, you know, if you do that thing where you take away the, the score from the screen, just like, oh, what do you reckon this game is? I think you'd comfortably say, oh yeah, Bruges are probably winning. But Dortmund, just so efficient and deadly in front of goal, especially Haaland. He's an absolute machine. He's a freak of nature, that boy. And I can't wait to watch him for the next 10 years in his prime because he's not even at his prime yet. Yeah. So it's going to be an absolute pleasure to watch him, especially as we see the demise of, you know, your Messi's Ronaldo's. To, to be able to get to see him is going to be a real privilege. I think he can put up some serious numbers. It's nice to see Torgan has a score again. He got his first goal in four years for Dortmund in the Champions League. And put that caveat on there, the Champions League. But yeah, it was easy work for them, for Haaland. The, Bruges' defence too open. I think they played three at the back again, which doesn't suit them at all. Like, at all. But going forward, they had chances. Vorma had a really good chance to score. He should have he should have put it away, but it's straight at the goalkeeper. Very unlucky to go on 3-0 down half-time. And then in the second half, it was just a non-competition. It was just... Incredibly boring to be honest, nothing happened. Yeah, on to the next game Barcelona winning 2 1. Messi getting an early goal, early penalty, which helped a lot of people out. And I think again, it's one of them things where Barcelona letting the goal in just kind of ruined a few people's teams. <laughs> um, but Gerard Piquet getting a goal as well. Good return back into the team. But I thought when I was, and a lot of pundits have said this as well, this Barcelona team are just not playing well, but they're still getting results. I mean, they're not in the league, but at least in the Champions League. uh, I remember, I can't remember which pundit it was, but they said that this was the worst Barcelona performance that he's seen in a long time. Um, I think that's over-exaggerating, like pundits often do. But it, it just goes to show Frankie de Jong as centre-back. <laughs> like, what's that about? <laughs> when you think when you think about it, like, Kiev, went, like, Kiev had hot, like, a lot of the team out with COVID. Uh, so, realistically, when you look at that, you would have thought, Barca are going to turn them over inside out. And if I was... Them Kiev players that have been put in that team, I'd be very happy to come away from Barcelona 2-1. I think the two men and the men of the match were the both goalkeepers. Yeah. The were all absolutely phenomenal. The Dynamo's keeper couldn't have done any more. He's made some worldy saves from Dembele, the free kick from Messi. He's I was say the free kick, He's the free kick from Messi was brilliant. Phenomenal performance from him. Obviously, he's conceded the pen. You can't do anything about that. Uh, and the other goal, I don't think you could do much about the other goal either, in all honesty. But it was remarkable how many saves Chistegger needed to make. Pretty obvious when you realise that Frankie de Jong's playing centre-back 
which I don't get because surely you'd put Sergio Busquets in there if you're that desperate for a centre-back. Or, you know, just Longley because he's your centre-back. But Barcelona were abysmal defensively. In Dynamo just didn't take their chances. In the Testegen was pulling off some worldies, like some freakishly good saves. And we saw the two best performances of the round in this game, I think. Alisson with a close third. Even It's hard because Alisson kept a clean sheet. But if you compare the saves that these two were making, they were stupid. Griezmann had another shocker. Yeah. Missed an absolute hitter in the first half. He's having a bad time. And Messi. I will mention in that clip that we're seeing. Barcelona play with 10 men with him on the field sometimes. When they've got possession, yes, they've got 11 because probably got 12. He's that good on the ball. But... I'm sure a lot of people have seen the clips on YouTube. And it wasn't just that. If you watched the game, you could see he has got no interest whatsoever in even applying pressure to a player that's running towards him. None whatsoever. He just goes alongside him and it kind of just shows his attitude. The amount of money he's earning. I don't care how good you are. You've got no right to be doing that. We saw it. Last year, when they got beat off by Munich. By the way, Barcelona need to be getting knocked out in the group stage because if they do go through, they're going to get another 8 0 somewhere along the lines with how bad they are. They are absolutely shocking defensively. Ansu Fati, best outfield player on the field in that game, really worked hard. Some good, like played some good moves, some good football. He got the assist as well for Gerard Piquet's goal. It's just Barcelona are a shadow of their former selves. And ultimately, say whatever you like about the talent, what it boiled down to was their hard work. They always hunted in packs, same with the Spanish team of that same generation. And Guardiola's teams have always worked hard to be successful. And there's one or two players that you can see working really hard for Barcelona and the rest just earn a couple of hundred grand a week and chill out. Moving on, Manchester City 3, Olympiacos nil. Solid performance. Manchester City look like they're going to cruise through. There'll be a massive risk for rotation. Gabriel Jesus is back. Uh, De Bruyne is back amongst the assists. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything else much to say on that game. Anyone have any comments? Ferran Torres is a strike. I look good again. Yeah, definitely. He's... he's been very consistent. He's, I think he scored in all three games so far in the in the group stage. He has. And he's also scored a few in the Prem. I mean, the bottom is a left yeah. winger, but as a striker, at least he's better than Sterling. Yeah, he works the he works the position between the fullback and the centre back really well. Yeah. In all the games I see him play, and he really likes to exploit that space, and it's. I'm not saying he's anywhere near the same class, but it's the same thing that Henri used to do on the left-hand side, where he's looked to exploit the space between the the right back and the right centre back. He's that he's just looking to exploit the same space in games, and it's working really well. Whereas Sterling likes to be on the on the left and properly drifting with the ball, or make a cut and run if he's want going to like tap it in. I do think the miss. Jesus because he brings other people into the game. So when Jesus plays, Sterling plays better and De Bruyne 
has more clear avenues to pass to. So I think it's massive for them, him coming back. I think we'll see another full-strength lineup, similar to whatever we saw this week with like Gundogan in there. Because Pep will want those 12 points. I think with 12 points, it's done and dusted. We'll see rotation. Maybe he might play a more full-strength team against Porto because he'll want to finish top of the group. But Yeah. Is, is Porto the next game anyway? So yeah, you'll be, yeah, Porto's the next game anyway. So yeah, I think I don't know, he's got the same team again, has he? So yeah, um you yeah. might play for the up to game week six and game week six he'll probably play a bunch of kids that we've never heard of. The struggles of the game. On to the next game, Chelsea also winning three nil. Clean sheets just seem to be a thing with this Chelsea team. Zero goals against. Yeah. Wren looking trouble. Chelsea looking solid. Werner, good striking option for his budget, uh, for his price. Wasn't a red so. card, can I just say? It's very harsh to give a... To even For the second pen, that is very harsh. It's bounced up off his leg and it's hit him. I'm going to disagree and say that it was a pen. I agree. It's never a second yellow card in a month of Sundays. Yeah. I don't know what the referee's doing, but... His arm, I don't, I don't know why his arm's up there. Like, If the ball is hitting you in the right boot, I don't know why your left arm's up. So as harsh as it is, and we've all been there, and it was accidental, it is in an unnatural position. It's stopped the progression of the ball moving forward. So I can completely see under the rules, I'm not saying that they should be the rules, by the way. It, it shouldn't be a pen, but according to the rules, I think the referee's got it right. I don't understand why he's booked him because... You can still use your brains. Like yellow cards can still be subjective to say yeah. he's not he's not doing it on purpose. It's just the rules of the game. It's got to be done. So yeah, I think they were harsh for that. Chelsea well worth the win. Yeah, Ren did cause them one or two problems, but not much. And it was mostly like from what was said from the the preview pod that most of the chances that Ren half sort of cooked up were from set pieces because Chelsea aren't great and Wren are most dangerous from set pieces. Staying a couple of pens, which Werner's dispatched confidently, but it was just a very assured victory. Could have been more. Giroud, Mr. One-on-One. Reese James was phenomenal at right back. Some of the balls he was putting in were absolutely fantastic. Moving on to Mitchelland, one Ajax, two Ajax were... Had a lot of COVID cases, but they'll be happy in the end that they still were able to win the game. Um, a lot of their players still played, which was uh, which was nice. Confusing. But, we don't yeah. why why Ajax like their official site put out the news that these players weren't playing, and then all of them played. So I watched a, I watched some on Sky Sports about it, um, and Tadic. And a couple of us were actually flown in on the night time through on a private jet. And then they had to be tested in the morning to see if they were allowed to play. And that was what it boiled down to um, the night before they weren't allowed to play, but they flew them out because Tadic apparently just had antibodies or something. And then the next day they tested them and it was fine. Yeah, I'm not sure. It happens a lot in other sports as well. With yeah. People, but oh well. I think, to be fair though, gratefully, because Tadic has got Tadic has scored and yeah, Promes has got the assist. I don't think anyone's got Promes anyway at eight million. And I think with a, 
the striker options. I don't think anyone's got Tadic. So I actually think it's done everyone a favour because a lot of people would have went for Onana in goal, especially mm. on a limitless. And they've ended up conceding. So I think the news has still done a lot of people favours. I didn't go on the limitless because I was wanting Onana as one of the keepers. And then I thought, oh, well, actually I can go Edison. Do I want to double up Man City? And I was on an R and that's what caused me to think of my other plan. And ultimately they didn't keep a clean sheet anyway. Yeah. It helped a lot of people. Locomotive Moscow drew 1-1 with Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid will be disappointed not to win. However, Moran Chuk looks like a good player, keeps getting points, yeah. good penalty, and uh, seems to be a good option moving forward for his price points. So for those who don't have him, uh, his price will keep going up. So make sure to get him in. Uh, Porto winning 3 0 to Marseille. Uh, like what we were saying before, they just seem like another solid team. That group is so, I think that's it's done. That yeah, I would say done. that group's done. Yeah. Um, but Porto challenging for the top spot, which is nice. If Man City, if they do end up slipping up, any comments on this uh, match? I just saw the highlights in Villas Boas's um, <laughs> comments explosive, explosive comments afterwards. Yes. We are allowed to be shit because we qualified. <laughs> essentially, is what he said. Yeah. We, um, fair play. I I like how apathetic he is towards football management these days. It's much better than when he tried to be Jose Mourinho part two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Again, we've we said I think on the last podcast we know what it is. It's Man City, Porto, Olympiacos, Marseille, like. That's it. Job done. Tovan wins a pen and pie misses it. What a shock. I don't know what people want us to say. It was just, it was an assured win. We knew what was going to happen. No thrills. On to the next one. Yep. Yeah. And then last match, I know Lazio were last last week, but I didn't hear any complaints then, but we might now if anyone is interested. They drew 1-1 with Zenit and a lot of their team was out. I'm not sure if that is injury, COVID. The mixture. Or even just resting for the weekend, a big match in Syria. So, yeah, um, there's not really much to say. Be happy to come away with a point with a depleted team, maybe. That's all we can really say for it. Yeah, Cassiedo. I doubt many people had him in, but he's a good, reliable... You're just so boring, Aaron. You are? Like, Lazio are just so boring when they don't have their best players playing. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't wish for a more boring game. Lazio away to Zenit. <laughs> exactly. The most exciting thing about the game was there were fans in the stadium. Yeah, it was a Which good, was nice, couple of good goals. But honestly, I couldn't think of a worse way of spending a midweek evening than watching these two slug out a one-one draw. So no Barrios. People picking Barrios, you got plenty of points from him for ball recoveries yet again, cheap price. And he actually looks like a quality little player as well. Mm-hmm. But you know you're in trouble if you flick on a game to watch the holding midfielder. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, that concludes our review for all these games. Uh, well, I don't know what the schedule will be like over this next break, but we'll make sure to keep you updated on how these players are performing any wild well, uh, card options and stuff like that. If 
anyone who's listened this far, so I'm not going to advertise it on Twitter because I just want the people that have actually listened this far uh, to recommend it. We are on Twitter at UCL Fantasy Pod. Please just DM me or tag us or whatever. If you want us to discuss anything, we will discuss it. Um, whatever topic you want, whatever discussion, if you want me to, I don't know, we had some guy asking if we can go through like players that are good for ball recoveries. If you've got a question, anything like that, please DM us at UCL Fantasy Pod and we'll make it a part of one of our podcasts whilst we've got a little bit of a break before the next preview. Aaron, I think what you said earlier was really good in terms of we're going to have a price rise one. And in the summer-ish, when COVID was kicking off, we did a couple of special pods. So we might look into maybe one of those or something just to keep us busy off, uh, off the cuff. But yeah, we are also available on YouTube and Spotify, uh, the main event, Champions League Fantasy Football Pod. So please like, subscribe, all that sort of goodness on there. Should probably do that sort of stuff at the beginning of the videos, Aaron, I reckon. But we're so keen to get involved. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. As ever, we, uh, first of all, I thank Nathan and Aaron for jumping on as ever. And we thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all the support. Let's keep it going. Enjoy the international break as best as you can, and we'll see you for the next one. Bye now.